Today's episode of the What Shapes Us podcast is brought to you by Dockers Khakis. Check them out at dockers.com. Presently in love with the Trans Nomadica collection, which celebrates the original 1985 sort of more baggy fit. Incredible collaboration with the designer Maurizio Donavi. Uh, check them out at dockers.com. Hi, my name is Salema Mabena Masakela. I'll say it for you one more time. Salema Mabena Masakela. And you are listening to the What Shapes Us podcast. Do you own this 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 house? I don't. I own um my house in Carlsbad. Yeah. My mom lives in. Amazing. So I wish I had bought this place. I now, wish things didn't cost six million dollars. Yeah. My house that I bought in Carlsbad in 2015 um has doubled in value. Wild. Wild. Like all the way wild. And I never, I barely could afford it then. And then today I was just like, I couldn't buy my house. <laughs> Not very many people could. Yeah, it's a whole nother conversation. It's another can of worms. Um, But you, you bought a house, right? No. No? Thankfully. I was trying to buy a house in. Oh, Mount. that's right. We'll, yes. We'll get there. I forgot. <laughs> I forgot about that time. Shit. It's preferred. <laughs> well, the universe has a good way of uh, saying, hey, you know what? Readjusting pathways. Like your intention, but also we're, we, we're going to get your back. I'm looking right now in Encinitas. Yeah? Yeah. Could you, what drew you to Encinitas? Um, I think that coming from Massachusetts, like what I thought California was, is what Encinitas is. That makes sense. That makes perfect sense. And it's just kind of more sleepy. The surfing is fun. Mm. Um, but I would say, yeah. And then having friends kind of living around there. And yeah, most people don't realize that. Like, if you if you make it if you make it in action sports, I hate that term. I'm I know. Just, sorry. No. It's if okay. you if you if you if you make it as a pro shred, as a professional shredder, as a professional shredder in various disciplines, um, North County of San Diego is kind of where yeah. you land. It's bizarre. It's like making it in Hollywood and moving to Calabasas <laughs> or yes. Beverly Hills. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I would say, or like Glendale. It's just like, yeah, I think especially growing up uh, skating vert. Like coming from that transition background of transition skating, I think that too is just like these are like there's parks and vert ramps and I don't know. But I'm like such a surf rat that it was also that was a big part of it for me. You grew up on the East Coast in New England. New England in Massachusetts. What was where in Massachusetts? Pembroke. It's like literally 30 miles south of Boston and 30 miles from like. The Bourne Bridge and the Cape. Oh, I didn't realize it was that close to the beach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's not on the it's not a beach town, but it is a like it 
it's only four miles from the beach. Right. So it'd be like um, Calabasas in LA yeah. or Vista. Vista. Yeah. It's in- more like Vista, but like with cranberry bogs and Dunkin' Donuts. Right. <laughs> and that's it. That's all there's. That's the only things that are there. I lived in New England for uh, three years, two and a half years, three years in Cumberland, Rhode Island. Cumberland Farms. Cumberland Farms. Cumbies. My yeah, I, I moved there when I was thirteen, and I had no idea where we were going. And suddenly, it was like, it literally was like a steel mill type of vibe. It is, you know, it's kind of everyone like, wore work, work boots. Yeah, like the idea of having a pair of Jordans on at school was like, where's your boots? I kind of love the blue collarness of of like coastal New England. Is like there's areas that are very blue collar, and it's it's really. For me, it's like ground. It feels really nice. Like, I love it. Mm. My grandfather used to work in the mills that um, would freeze and um, ship and handle cranberries. So, like, Ocean Spray and all those big companies. And um, you had to wear special wading boots because um, you could drown in the cranberries. He saw a guy drown in frozen cranberries. Your grandfather saw... A man loses life in to- frozen cranberries because he was wearing the wrong shoes. So cranberries can act like quicksand. Apparently, yeah. And they're just like fine, like they're small and frozen. So I think they're like hard and they just crazy. What is what would that not ideal? I mean, I don't want I mean, listen, it's coming for all of us. Yeah. In some way, shape, or form. You can't pick your death. I was in a um stunt plane the other day like how like three days ago like last week oh wow uh, and it was single engine and like you know they fly you straight straight up and then you're sitting in the front of the plane and then he says all right i'm gonna lean left and then the plane's just gonna kind of flip out of control and then we're gonna dive straight for the ground why because <laughs> that's what he does but, uh, why was i yeah, yeah, yeah. I, red bull Ah. It gives you wings. It clearly. Clearly. <laughs> and I work for them. That is so gnarly, and <laughs> I'm good on that. Not that it's been offered to me to do this yet, but yeah. cheers for you for, like, diving. Literally you know, I'm a, I'm a company man, Nora. And, you know, when they said, we would like you to get in uh, in the plane and give the people an example of. <laughs> the Austrians. My Austrian voice. Um, <laughs> example of what. The, I was doing an event called Plane Swap. Did you jump into another plane? No, but two guys attempted <laughs> to fly planes up to 12,000 feet and then pitch them into a nosedive and then leave their planes and skydive to the other plane and get inside. You're joking. No. How did it go? One of the planes, um, when they left the planes, one of the planes was like, I'm not into this. And it spun off um, out of control. And so that guy had to parachute down. Where'd the plane go? Um, a parachute came out of that plane. Oh, and caught it. And caught it. And um, were you over the ocean? No, we were in an undisclosed part of Arizona, like in the middle of of nowhere. This is wild. Yeah, that's what I do uh, when I'm not sitting having conversations with magical people like you. Oh, but I say all that. This started from cranberries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. Um, in that plane. In the height of like, this is amazing. We were about to. Were you accepting death? 
I had Kim, I came into an acceptance of like, if it happened in this moment, I wouldn't, it would just be like, yeah. like someone as quick as like the light being turned off. I was like, oh, I wouldn't possibly feel a thing. There's no way. Cause we were diving straight down at 300 miles an hour to the ground. And then he boom, pulled up But the immediacy of what it felt like. I was like, oh, what's up, death? Not yet, please. Oh, I'm having a really good time. Oh, I say all that so as to say that drowning in cranberries would not be that. It would not be that, I don't think. And I was – it's something that I remember hearing the story when I was a kid and being like really – feeling like it was really morbid. Like I was really disturbed by it, um, especially because I – lived off of like the ocean spray cran raspberry juice like iv'd essentially in my arm did you just Un- get a discount no i i don't know my I, my parents couldn't get me to drink water so they were like the next best thing is ocean, ocean spray, spray. Like, yeah it's got if you look on the back so many vitamins nothing's in there yeah nothing's nothing bad no. there's no sugar or anything so it it definitely did something to that relationship um my cranberry juice um, my personal relationship with cranberry juice but um other than that i yeah it's it's a gnarly one i'm like do you in, would you inhale them and drown are they like right. defrosting and sticking to you and is you're it a being slow is it slow i mean it's definitely not fast no. i think we that's we can agree on the list of things that we don't want to die from cranberry cranberry drowning can, Frozen cranberry drowning is going to be top three. Not it. Also, rest in peace to that man's soul. Please don't haunt Nora. Please. Or I. Um, <laughs> or my cranberry juice. For making light. I love the way you said, you know, my relationship with cranberry juice. Like some people say, like, my relationship with my Lord and Savior. It was uh, the same sort of time. I mean, it was the same thing yeah. at that age. But, yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, I had a I had a ruler in my life at the time and. I just I've always thought cranberry juice was was a unflawed and perfect drink and I realized that it was a swift killer in New Bedford so And that was it after that. That was it. No, I still drink it. Okay. It's bad. You've made peace with that. Sometimes you got to tempt tempt fate. Ooh. Cranberry raspberry juice. Mm. Don't don't get me started. All right. Well, we know what to gift you on the back end of this conversation. What was your uh, What was your your life like in almost coastal Massachusetts as a young Portuguese girl? <laughs> um, <laughs> There's a question I never thought I'd ask in my life. Uh, my life as a young Portuguese girl in Pembroke, Mass. It was pretty nice. It was a great place to grow up. Like yeah. we had the beach, the mountains. We grew up in um, we grew up in this old farmhouse, and it had an old cranberry bog in the back <laughs> that would freeze over, and we could ice skate all winter. So that was super cool. Um, both my parents kind of worked from home. My dad did; he was a illustrator, so he was a, like my parents were around a lot and really involved in all sorts of fun adventures we would go on. Um, but like I think I was thinking about this actually recently. I was on a trip thinking about how like wildly different my life is than like my life in high school. Um just it's just bizarre. In the best in the best of ways. But yeah, it was very like 
I found surfing and skateboarding in like middle school and I was like so obsessed but didn't have the means to do it as frequently do the like surf and skate as frequently frequently as I wanted to Mm. and that that was hard that that became like very difficult especially in my teenage years that you couldn't do it all the time yeah I mean I we didn't even have a paved driveway or sidewalks like right it was pretty so just like decent ground to roll around on yeah my neighbors had a basketball hoop um and then I hit this weird thing where in high school the basketball, like I didn't like to go over there because he was older. He was like a senior and I think I was a freshman. And I was like, his friends were always over and I felt, I was very self-conscious. And then like our neighbors would let us skate on their driveway. And I would like, by high school, I didn't go like skate because I was so scared. So I was going to like the drive problem. by and be like, there's no skating again. <laughs> Did people make fun of No, I, this was like all fabricated <laughs> in my mind. Like, So it wasn't like, you know, Tony Hawk's biggest story is always like, you know, how he got bullied. And everyone made fun of him and called him a kook. No, yeah. I got bullied for not making the soccer team, but that was totally different. That was separate. That was a separate, like, issue. Um, But, yeah, I don't know. I was so, like, in my head about it. I really didn't like um, skating where people could see me skate. And that's why my flat ground is terrible. Mm. (laughs) My flat ground skills are, like, the worst of any professional skateboarder. Like, maybe. Yeah, but your transition skills are literally from the multiverse. So I guess, but it's it's difficult. It's a difficult like if if you were like you're at battle at the barracks, it's like, cool, I got three tricks. What are your three go to kick flip. Kick flip. Backside flip. Right. And maybe like a tray flip, but like the worst tray flip you've ever seen in your like life. Gross. Yeah. Oh, heel flips on some days can happen. Um, those feel good when you get them. fakey flips are i'm pretty confident on the fakey flip game but yeah i don't know it's just like a funny thing to to especially like travel the world and see like the most incredible skaters like i wish i could do that but guess what they're saying the same thing about you nora welcome to living in nora's head (laughs) well that's what i'm here for this is uh your therapist told me yeah um like hey gave me a list of things (laughs) You got there's obviously a very famous um, video of of you when you first got your skateboard. Oh yeah, at eight years old. I was like five. Five. I was little. Five. It was like two thousand. Two thousand. It was nineteen ninety seven. Wow. So I was five. The joy. Yeah. In that child, it it is. It's almost like you had been here, sent from the future. Uh, <laughs> And future you was like, we got to go back and fix some things. We're going to get at like five, you'll get a skateboard. You negotiated for five. And so that joy is like, I knew this moment was coming, but you're five. It's it's funny because I was definitely very enthusiastic as a child. But um, of all the things my parents had gotten us for Christmas, yeah, the serendipity of it being the skateboard and the reaction and that's also the first time I ever stood on a skateboard, which is cool too. They're like the video keeps going and I put it down and I stand on it. I'm like, I learned it from a show. I'm referring to Rocket Power. You were a Rocket Power I child. was. I'm the biggest fan of Rocket Power. I got Rocket Power as a, a young adult. Were you in an episode? No, everyone thinks that I was. There was a character that I believe was kind of based off of me. And I remember calling my agent and being like, they could have called 
me, I, I oh, I'd be I, pissed. I would have done it, but um, yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, I always like certain you were in it. Thanks. Have you been animated before? Yeah, Surf's Up. Oh yes, dude, surf's up. <laughs> dude. I need to rewatch that. The voice of uh, of S P E N, the the Penguin Sports Network, <laughs> on Pengu on Pengu Island. That is so iconic. <laughs> like I can't even. Do you have like, oh, do you have like a, like a picture of um, that penguin in a frame somewhere? No, but I have like, I think I have like a, a towel. That's cool. I think I have a surf sub towel and a couple of, <laughs> my mom, my mom's got all like the memorabilia, but it was, oh, so good. it was crazy experience. It was like a big Sony animation film. It was film. a big deal. I completely backdoored my way into that movie. They didn't have. They didn't have a part written for an announcer. And a friend of mine from Quicksilver was a consultant on the move, was giving like surf yeah. consultancy. And I was I was like an ambassador at the time at Quicksilver in DC. And he was like, I'm going up to Sony Pictures to check out that Surf's Up movie. And that, at the time, Kelly Slater and Rob Machado had been cast. And I was like, everyone, there was a buzz being like, they're going to spend millions of dollars on this. Surf so animated movie with Shia LaBeouf and Jeff Bridges. So anyway, I went and they were doing like the storyboards and showing some of the animation. And you're like, oh, they showed us the wave. And we were, it, it was seeing the wave that they'd made for Surf's Up was the equivalent of what it was it like. It was pipe, right? Or it, was, it was made to resemble like, pipe. like pipeline. Oh my God. Um, and they had st- studied and, and it was all the most latest technology but it was like what people felt when they first saw the wave kelly surf ranch wave like that's what it felt like watching it in real life yeah when they were showing us the animation in 2007 now we're like doing it and yeah but anyway um they're showing us the storyboard and i go hey uh so the, this this contest seems pretty big like this is a big moment in the film right and they're like yeah they're like i'm like so who's going to be the announcer? You're going to need like a an announcer. Like, oh, well, you know, we didn't, we'll, we'll, I was like, hey, that's saying that's kind of what I do. That's and um, so I lobbied for it. The guy, Kelly Slater did this um, MTV, whatever, MTV uh, celebrity surf thing. And he invited me to, to be in it. And at a certain point, I just took over the mic. And I didn't know that the guy from Sony was there. Genius. And he saw me, you know, just talking shit for an hour. And then I got back home and my agent was like, hey, they want to see you for that movie. And then I went and read for it. And it went from two pages to like I got like 19 pages and ended up getting to be a major part of the film. (laughs) Wow. What a thing to fall into. Yeah. Serves up. Yeah. That that's a classic. That is so sick, though. I mean, that's probably also like why I'm like, oh yeah, you were definitely animated at some point. Yeah, but. it was just, just I was right next door to Rocket Power. But Rocket Power was, I was, I loved Rocket Power. I watched it all the time, and I was like, I wish that I had this when I was a, a, a teenager. Like, this is amazing. I got it in my twenties, but like, I thought it was the coolest thing ever, ever. And then, but to hear you say that you were a Rocket Power kid, I'm like, oh, yeah. Imagine discovering well, I hadn't skateboarding seen surfing or, or skateboarding. Right, I hadn't seen any of that before, so I was like, "Yeah, 
for sure. I, I would like to be involved in whatever this is, 100%. And I also think that's like part of my fascination even with California was the way that they kind of create the California lifestyle. It's kind of supposed to be a mixture of like Oceanside, Encinitas meets Huntington meets Santa Monica. That's kind of the, the vibe of yeah. the like setting. Mm. Um, and yeah, I think I, I just was so obsessed with it. My cousin, I would sleep at my cousin's house and Saturday mornings we'd wake up at like 5.36 and just go catch all the reruns. They'd start them early. Watch a marathon. Just like marathon rocket power. Wow. And we did, we literally did everything. We mountain biked. We made other bike jumps in the yard. We inline skated. We bladed. We snowboarded. Um... And yeah, the surfing and the skating for some reason for me was so like, I need to do that. But I need to do it more in the way of like it being just like a backyard thing I do. I need to like, this is like what I need to do. <laughs> I'm obsessed. If you know me, then you know that if I had my choice between land and water, I would mostly be in the water. That's why um, my collaboration with Dockers, brought to life with graphics by the incredible young artist Renell Muya, is a celebration of that feeling of freedom and infinite possibility that um, I can only get when I'm surfing. Literally, not, not even when I'm in the mountains, but when I'm surfing. It's also a tribute to one of my greatest inspirations, my father, Mr. Hugh Masekela. You can check out uh, this collection that we did at dockers.com I was talking to um, your brother <laughs> um, before that our, guy. our conversation today really? yeah I'm a professional Nora wow I'm so scared uh, <laughs> and I asked him I was like how would you describe uh, your sister to somebody who has never seen or met her and doesn't know um, what she does. And he said, Nora is the most fully actuated adult version of who she said she wanted to be at five years old. Like (laughs) if 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 you had a a video of a person who at five years old was like, this is what I'm going to be. He's like, my sister is the most fully actuated actually this person did all of these things person um so funny except i don't know except around this time i did do a drawing in school and have a pretty sick dragon tattoo around my belly button i have yet to fulfill that prophecy oh so you haven't done that part no plenty of time plenty of time in fact down the street we're getting there there's a by the end of the night we could do it tonight one june shine i'll be good to go um done deal (laughs) <laughs> All right. And in, in fact, your brother was, when I spoke to him today, I, I, all I could hear was forklifts in the background. He's like, oh, don't worry. Just things are slow here at Juneshine. <laughs> I didn't realize that that's where he worked. But, um, yeah, you know, keep it in the family. But he said that skateboarding, you know, he, he, he talked about you, you guys surfing and what, what that was like in your six millimeter uh, wetsuits. <laughs> I didn't realize that there was decent surf that close to Boston. Oh yeah, I mean, it's a it's a fickle, fickle um, game. 
I mean, Rhode Island is much better. Rhode Island is amazing. We were Ruggles, world class. World world class Ruggles. I remember going to Ruggles one day to surf, and it was the Marshall Brothers when they were like six, four, and like eight or whatever. Like mm. they they were down there as like the grommiest groms going out to surf. But um, the grommiest groms. The grommiest groms. Yeah. The it's it's like we lived pretty protected from the Cape. So the Cape winds around like an arm. Like Massachusetts looks like it's doing this crazy like flex. Check me out. So check me out. Check me out, bro. The third smallest state. But we have the best education. <laughs> and Boston's sick. And they're just flexing like this, right? Mm. Um, so you actually are protected by a lot of swell, naturally. Like almost everything from like Hull, which is south of kind of south east of Boston south is pretty protected so it was definitely somewhat fickle but going to the cape Mm. going to rhode island going to like the seacoast of new hampshire um there are some gems like maine it's 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 like just such a unique coastline and there's so many nooks and crannies and you gotta work for it you have to work for it big old wetsuits just the amount of times I was just back and I was staying in Hull, which is one of the areas we used to surf all the time. And it's this very classic boardwalk style beach town. Um, and I was driving down it with my dad and I was looking over at the ocean. It was pretty flat. And I was like, this brought me back the craziest memories of being like in high school, rushing, getting out of school, getting in the car and driving out here to see if there's anything decent. And then like, either being totally heartbroken or being like there's waves get the the wetsuit on like get out there now kind of frothing like peeing your pants excitement Mm. yeah at what point did you choose um sort of between um i would say sophomore year of high school i really chose i had competed at the Easterns, which is like ESA. At the ESAs. My first mag in a my first photo in a magazine was in Transworld Surf. What? For um for Easterns. It was like myself, this girl <sighs> Keenan Lineback, who was like the best of the East Coast. This other girl, Savannah, I think who was from Florida. And it was like we were the I had won regionals in Montauk. And so they were like, We're doing this little write up. And it was like a pullout in Transworld Surf. And my first first photo in a magazine is me surfing somewhere outside, like Marshfield in Marshfield, Mass. And it's just like full hood, full everything. And it's like Wow. So crazy. So and Chris Cote would have probably greenlit that who was then the editor. Yeah, 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 for sure. For sure. I used to read all the letters. Right. His mail corner and stuff. But yeah, it's so crazy. So I broisms. All his broisms. I would um so I would say I did re- regionals, then did the Easterns. I never did well at Easterns. But um, we would go down, and that was like the biggest trip ever. We went like once or twice. Virginia Beach. Uh, Outer Banks. Oh, Outer Banks. Yeah. Wow. So in my parents, we would get – we had this like old uh, Army Green Jeep Grand Cherokee, and we drove that thing. We actually took it on its last like lap. It's last big hurrah. We drove it down there, and my parents were freaking out because they didn't know what was going to happen if we going to make it. <laughs> if it didn't think it was going to make it, but um, yeah, we would we drove down there, and that was like our big vacation. So for me, it was just like 
I think what would happen is I would get down there and I just, I would obviously freak out and the competition was gnarly, but it was like surfing without wetsuits, like actual surf. We would stay in this like bungalow with friends and just like it was a vacation for us. But, um, but yeah, at that time I was actually getting, I got a couple boards from JC Hawaii through, um, this family in Rhode Island, the Berens. And actually Anna Berend is um, – she was working with like Johanna DeFay. Mm-hmm. And I think she was – is it the chaplain? What's the word for the person that like goes um, – And prays with the surf. Yeah, she's like – I don't know if she's a pastor. Chaplain. It's yeah, a chaplain, chaplain, right? So she was doing that on the tour for a while too. And she's just like this super badass um, woman. She's from Brazil, surfer. Mm. And um, but she was living living in Rhode Island with her with her husband and their kids, and she coached me a little bit. And yeah, she she was super that makes bad. sense. All this makes sense now because I remember the first time <laughs> that I saw a clip of you surfing, I was like, you know, because there's plenty there are plenty of there are plenty of uh, professional skateboarders that um, snowboard or surf for fun, and they'll post clips, and you're like, oh, that's that's cute. Yeah, you know. Like Mark McMorris, he was, a, he was a pro snowboarder, and he's gotten pretty good. He's at gotten surfing. good. I feel like his last two like winners on Hawaii. He's, yeah, he's. I mean, he's got cocoa. He's fine. He's got cocoa hose. So, yeah. but there was it was definitely like, oh, all right, he's he's getting it. But you can still tell it's something. Yeah, you can still even Todd Rich has been surfing for I don't know twenty years at this yeah. point. Yeah, can still tell it wasn't his first thing. Yeah, but I watched a clip of you, and I'm like, wait a minute. That's. I think I'm naturally way better at surfing. Like I have to try. I've always had to try so much harder at skateboarding than surfing. Hmm. It is very interesting. Do you think that perhaps that was, in a weird way, the draw? No, it was. It was fully money. Like my parents. (laughs) (laughs) No. No, it's not a draw. <laughs> I see where you're trying to go here no. to uncover uh, something with me that <laughs> I love one. challenges, but <laughs> I wanted to get the bag, Salema. I'm here for the bag. <laughs> I no, it wasn't like I wanted to get. I didn't want to obtain money. <laughs> it was that surfing was too expensive. Oh. For- <laughs> that is what I was saying. I mean, because I just figured no, that, you know, that's, you were seeing so many women okay, making sorry, money but, in skateboarding at the time. Who? That's my point. No, no, it's yeah. the opposite. Girls yeah. are making a living surfing. Exactly. Skateboarding, hell no. Right. But I was, yeah, was I was. the financial barrier, because surfing's expensive. Dude, I had Lifestyle-wise. Like, okay, so, like, I love talking about this because I have this weird thing where there are a lot of people who think I, like, grew up wealthy. Like, it's a weird – like, I've had people come on my Instagram and be like, oh, you're just a rich kid from – I'm like, what? There's this thing, and I think it's just because I grew up in New England and, like, the way old photos look in New England, you look like you're a rich yacht kid or something, like, just because you have access. And even style-wise. Style-wise. And I have this thing because I'm like – it's, like, kind of a – it's, like, the image of – and we also we also had a ton of friends, and my parents, we got to do so much amazing stuff. But they but worked hard for it. They were yes, and they were both self-employed. And like, like I remember, I wanted to go to Easterns, and we didn't have the money, so it was like in seventh or eighth grade, and it was our big school trip to Washington D.C. And I had to choose between Easterns and Washington D.C. Or no, I had to choose between Regionals and Montauk and Washington D.C. And I didn't go to Washington D.C. 
And that really set me up for failure in terms of just like being a socialite in school. It was like, oh, you didn't go on the Washington DC trip? Like you're a loser. You wanted to go compete in some dumb contest. Yeah. And that was like a funny one. I also like, yeah, there were so many things that I gave up just to like get to that one contest or, and that was the, that was the Easterns that I went and I did terribly, like I did really bad. Um, so that was a super bummer, but, but yeah, in high school, I basically was still surfing, but I did varsity swim and then I'd been doing swim team and it was like every day of the week. And I was like, so over this, there's like nothing more depressing, right? Than waking up and it's cold and snowy and dark out. You go to school and you sit in school and you get on a bus and you go swim in a cold pool and then you get out and it's just black again you do that for like four months i was like yeah i'm i'm good and then school and then school so i at the time i was like okay i definitely don't want to like do swim team anymore i'm gonna get a job and try to um skate more and the thing was is like surfing it was hit or miss you could not surf for like there could be four weeks of no surf or five weeks of no surf and i would go um to skateboard at this place in taunton taunton yeah Taunton, Mass. And I would go to Skater's Edge, and my dad would bring me and just sit and watch me skate in this old dusty mill building for, like, hours. But it was girls skate free on Tuesday nights. And my parents were kind of like, oh, maybe you'll meet other girls and have kind of like a crew. There's no other girls. (laughs) It's just How many girls were there on girls skate free night? Me. There's this one woman who was, like, older who would hang out a little bit, but she was not always there. Um, And she always had a really bizarre religious angle. It was like they were like Christian skaters and skate for Jesus. I it was just a little no offense to anyone. Yeah, who gets it just wasn't. Jesus. I just I wanted to progress and and just be around skating and yeah, it was wild. It just was very like okay, that's fine. But it was like a big thing, you know, because it was a 40, 40 minute drive and to the skate park. Yeah, and then. As I started skating more, I would go up to Rye, New Hampshire, and skate up there. And that's like an 80-mile drive. So you go up through Boston. It can be like a few, like an hour or two. And I started skating a lot of vert. That's kind of when I got into vert. And so I would work. I had a job in high school, and I would work probably four days out of the week to skate too, to borrow my parents' car. But I had to pay for gas and pay for everything. And then How would you describe – you know, in your 16, 17-year-old mind then, how would you describe your what your relationship with skateboarding was? Like, what was it giving you um, that made you be like... It was uh, just all I wanted to do. Mm. Like, I knew I didn't want to put the energy into anything else the way I did skating and, you know, surfing. But skating, there was definitely this, um, like, having skate parks. And once you're, like going to parks and you feel like you're starting to really progress, it, it gets addicting. And it was kind of like, it's the same way when you go to Waco, like when you go surf Waco for three days or right. two hours, you right. notice this, this, your ability changing and how like you're getting good and you're getting comfortable. And I think I was noticing that with skating and I just, that's all I wanted to do. It was like, that's all I wanted to do. And family, what, what was their read? They were down. They were like sick. Yeah, um, they were like as a hundred percent as supportive as they could be. Like on every front, they were so into it. 
Yeah, your brother said that um, just in general, the, the manner in which your parents were willing to sacrifice for both of your your happiness in the things that you were passionate mm-hmm. about was unmatched. Like the manner in which like they would choose to work and how hard they would work just so it's, you, yeah. you two could pursue your sports um, was not nothing else. Oh, yeah. And at the time, Davis was really into BMX and he was really good. And it worked out really well because the, the park that I would go to in Rye was BMX as well. And they had a huge BMX scene. So we'd go up and just the skaters and the BMXers would just hang out together and rip. And it was cool. It was like a really fun. There was some like really fun years of just like my dad, my brother and I just like getting in the car, driving to New Hampshire. And um, yeah, it was really, really fun. Davis is funny, too, because he was into everything. He my parents were so good with, with him because he'd be like, I want a mountain board. And they would get him like this little <laughs> I have the most insane video of him. Wait, he didn't have like a mountain board, mountain board, like yeah, like the skateboard for the mountain. Yes. Oh wow. And Dave, I have video. Davis. I, <laughs> Davis. Oh Davis. I have the <laughs> best footage of him at our like local community center going down this hill, and he is like eleven years old. Yeah. Just geared, geared out. Like he and he thought like. My dad's filming him on the camcorder and he's just like, like, I'm the man. I am the man right now. And he brought those plastic X Factor ramps mm-hmm. and set it up off this little like, it's just so sick. It is my favorite like home video we have. But um, yeah, my parents were just like, they got us, but we had bicycles and we had a unicycle for a minute. No one used. Um, we had all the the activity stuff like but it wasn't it wasn't from a place of like we have disposable income whatever you want no it was just like we were all very active people and it was i remember my mom like got seen the ig razor scooters like when razor just like og razor og razor scooters when razor scooters were like the the red foam handles and she got like them for the whole family like like, she got one too (laughs) I was like, Mom, I will. This is stupid. Get this out of my face. My brother was into razors for a bit. Inlining. It hurt. I was like, Nathan, please. Come on, boy. And he's trying to do the spins and things. I couldn't get him on a skateboard. Yeah. I was so stoked when Davis. Davis can skate like really well. That's another. Your brother, Davis Vasconcelos, you should follow him on Instagram if you're listening. Davis V, Davis Adams Parkour. I don't know what it is. Um, yeah, he parkours, he mountain bikes. He literally looks like he could just do whatever it is he, he would choose. He can do anything he wants. Uh, that's a lie, though, because I'm so stoked. We're finally getting him into surfing. He lives in Encinitas as well, and we're, like, surfing all the time. And it is so wonderful to see him not <laughs> excel at a rapid pace at something. There is nothing quite like like it gives you joy. I can see dropping it. in on Davis. Yeah, I can see it. Or I can having see the, him paddle for waves and not catching waves. I can see this the peace that it yeah. gives the spirit. It is like there there might be nothing more grounding in my life than seeing <laughs> Davis flounder in the water occasionally. But he's getting good. Mm. I got to give him credit. Three years younger than you. Three and a half. Yeah. Mm. So when I'm talking so much shit, but like I sw- in a year he'll probably be like better than me. Probably. But for this time, 
I am going to just enjoy relish it. and enjoy this time. It is nice. At He's, what? Oh, it's great. At what point does the skateboarding start to evolve from the obsession of a friendship to a romance? Yes, friendship to a romance to. I think just from from me as an outsider, and I think for for people who who watch you skateboard, even if they're not a skateboarder, you, yeah, there is watching you watching you ride a skateboard is watching a, an artist, um, watching someone paint in real life or record a song in real life. Like it wow. is, thank you. You know, it, it's like, and I, I, I don't. Sometimes I, I feel like an imposter in my own body, but I appreciate that. Hey, we all suffer. we all do that, right? We all suffer from imposter okay, syndrome. Okay, cool. I've had it five times during this interview. Um, Seven. Th- th- thanks for telling the truth. But no, you. It's 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 watching someone like play art, but in motion. Yeah. So, what point does yeah go become a, 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 the the romance begin? I think there. I graduated from high school and. I was pretty like I'm not going to college kind of vibe that to me didn't seem like it would have done anything for me. Um, and I ended up working just like 2011 to 2012. I ended up working at a large scale printing company. <laughs> yep. Um, your Under girl, Mifflin for those of yeah, you who don't know. Your girl had a razor, like I had like a fancy knife on my hip every day. I was cutting the wraps you'd put on buses. Just like every day, like I would just go into work five days a week, cut the bus wrap, wrap up bus wraps, billboards, the whole fun thing. And a year, year of my life went by. And I, I, I was still skating, but I was skating, you know, once or twice a week, just saving up money, whatever. And like a year of my life went by and I was like, what? Am I just going to like live in Pembroke and like work with these guys and like they're all named Pete. Like, I can't do this. Like, we got to – no offense, Pete's out there. But, like, your girl needed to get out of Pembroke. Um, Meet some Joes. There's a lot of, like, a lot of uh, – what are they? Four-leaf clover tattoos going around. Right. You know, a lot of – there was an energy right. about the place. And – Hey, Nora, that thing's not going <laughs> to cut itself. Just, like, I don't even think they believed because they knew I skated – and they didn't like believe that I skate. Like at this time, I was I could skate. This was like in my vert, my peak of vert skating, and I was like, how old roughly? It's like nineteen. Mm. It's just like I felt like I was ripping, you know. Um, but yeah, I wasn't. I needed to get to California. That was my. That's where this story was going. So I ended up moving there in the summer of 2012, and I got a job at Woodward West and I just went to Woodward West for eight weeks with like a suitcase. Um, I had really bad anxiety at the time too. So I didn't fly to California. Woodward West is a skate camp. Yeah. It's a skate camp in Tehachapi. It's like outside of LA a couple hours. And I had gotten a job there and they basically were like, yeah, you can just come stay here all summer and you stay for free. You eat for free. There's some weeks we can pay you and some weeks you're just kind of like working to stay. And I'm like, cool. Like, I do not care. Sweat equity this to skate. Am- yeah, this is amazing. And it ended up being perfect too because think about all the people that would go through Woodward in one summer. You're dealing with like everything from like 
child prodigy skaters to full teams of skaters to people who work in the industry. Um, I was like 19. So there was a lot of people who were like 16, 17, 18, meeting a lot of people like kind of in my age range was really cool. And yeah, to, to get to California, I actually took a train from Boston and that was just like 71 hours just like on a train on the Amtrak. Just straight, straight in. Skateboard in the didn't in look the, back in the over. Yeah, I didn't have like a room, so I just had like my big suitcase and like I didn't shower for like seventy one hours. Kind of sucked, but it was cool. It was like an experience. Too bad you didn't have. There wasn't Hume then. Yeah, too bad we didn't have Hume back then. <laughs> I felt so bad. There was a family who got on in in Pennsylvania somewhere, and they were Amish, and it was like a family of five. And somebody on the train made like a whole thing about it because they smelled. They probably weren't using deodorant, and mm. there was like almost a brawl on the train <laughs> about this poor Amish family. Oh. I was like, "No!" And you're like, "It's me! It's not them! It's me! It's actually me! It's me!" Been on here since Boston. I'm just trying to get to LA. I just love that you had the um, that skateboarding at that point meant. Just like that much to you that you're like, I'm just gonna I'm gonna get on a train and sit in a chair yeah. for seventy one hours to get to this skate camp that I've seen video of. <laughs> they said they can pay me sometimes and but uh, I had never been to like the desert either, which was funny. And I remember going there and being like, Oh, you have to definitely drink water out here or like there's a tarantula or like <laughs> a rattlesnake. It was, yeah, it was wild. There was a mountain lion. Um, it was definitely culture shock in like the best way. And um, at the time, um, my parents had lost their house and they were kind of figuring out their living situation. And my mom works for Apple and she's like, I can move to California for a little bit and Davis can finish high school here and your dad can stay here. And then, yeah, she moved to California and she was supposed to only come for a few months and then she just stayed <laughs> And your dad stayed on the east. Yeah, my dad's still on the east coast. And yeah, it was wild. It was like my mom and I shared a bedroom for like two and a half years. We shared a bed for like two years. Um, shared a car and then I got my first car. It was like gnarly. It, <laughs> these are times I would not go back to. But that's what shaped me. Well played. I hope you brought that on your drive up being like, what's the what shapes us? What is that the, I can give. What's the mission statement that I'm trying to um, get into here? When you when you say your parents lost their house, it bankruptcy and foreclosure, and now people live in there who are crazy Trump supporters, and it makes me sad. <laughs> This used to be our house. Our house is a very, very, very fun. So wasn't a easy, that wasn't an easy time. No, it was not fun. It's I, a, I, I, a low point. You, you, you're at this high point of like finding your tribe, skateboarding kind, kind wise. Of, or yeah. To. Well, I was, I was just like so motivated. Yeah. And just like getting out here and being able to experience like California skate culture. There's maybe nothing more fun. It's like. A kid, it's like taking a kid to Disneyland and then being like, you can live here. <laughs> That's like what it was. Mm. But yeah, it was definitely an adjustment period. And 
um, nothing will hash out a mother-daughter relationship like living together when you're like 20 years old and like your parents are separating and all of that shit. But what's the movie with Susan Sarandon and Natalie Portman? Mm-hmm. Anywhere but here. Mm. Have you seen that movie where they moved to California? No. Oh my God. That's like me and my mom. Like that was, it's, it's a gnarly movie, but it's just, I, I don't even remember what, it, how exactly that movie, like the, I don't know what the point is, but they both moved to California and they live in like an apartment, like they live in like a one and bedroom. And they like love each other, then hate each other. And then, oh my God, I love you. And yeah. And it's like the girl's trying to like be a young adult and the mom's like dealing with her own life and just the energy of it is so and that was your movie that you were starring in in i was like that's i'm actually natalie portman i have a degree from harvard (laughs) i'm an oscar winner (laughs) what else what else does she do where else is she winning (laughs) um maybe she can she can play you uh in the skate version definitely (laughs) We'll get right on that. <laughs> We're gonna get on that bio bit. Bio, hey, bio Natalie, bit. I know you're um, you're busy doing some things, but uh, I want to revisit something you've done already, but in a whole other direction. Yeah. And you finally get to be that skateboarder you always wanted to be. It's a beautiful. This is a beautiful storyline. Um, two years with mom. Two and a half. Yeah. G- grindy. Maybe longer. It was so grindy. <laughs> we used to. We used to fight like really bad. Um, I remember one time she we got in an argument and I was dropping her off at work because that was our arrangement. Like I would bring her to work and she would bring me to work. Where and, are we at? Living? Okay. So we're living in Rancho Santa Margarita, California. That's an interesting sort of in-between-everything zone, right? It is in-between but also like not sick. She, we moved there because she got a job in Mission Viejo. So that was kind of our zone of like where we were looking to rent. And we were living there and I needed a job and I didn't, I didn't know anyone here. I knew um, Mimi New and Carabeth Burnside, but they lived down, they lived down in like Encinitas. Yeah. Um, Both um, professional skateboarders. Yes. They are absolute icons. They were so. And at the time, one of one of four or five. Yeah. It was a different, the world. Yeah, women's skateboarding looked very different, and this is only 2011, 2012. Mm. So I needed a job, and I didn't have very many connections. And I ended up, I ended up uh, getting a job at the mall that my mom worked at, and I worked at PacSun, which was super awesome. Um, my my first or second shift was the Black Friday shift, which was a midnight to 9 a.m. shift and my mom was working (laughs) my mom was working Saturday morning at Apple so she dropped me off at 11.50 I went to work all night in a store this was when Diamond was really big and people were like giving each other black eyes and making each other's um, nose bleed like People were so aggressive trying to get to the, the diamond shirts that were on the front. Oh, for Diamond Skate Supply. Yeah, Diamond Skate Supply. This was like when the t-shirt, like the clothes were super Right, big. when the this diamond drops happened, like yeah. kids were beginning Freak to kill out. each other for Yeah, it. and these kids were like killing each other over on Black Friday. So that was super cool. Um, but in the morning, my mom came up and her shift was at 10. And I started driving the car home and I remember getting a flat tire. 
and like just like pulling over and like going into this park. I like left the car on the side of the road and just like crying under a tree. <laughs> I was just so defeated. And um, I must have called my dad. I had to figure out how to put the spare on, but it was a low point for sure. So I actually worked at PacSun for like only one or two more shifts because I was skating at Nies in Lake Forest, the skate park. Mm. And this guy comes up to me. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry, not Eddie's. I was at Combi. I was at Vans. At uh, the Vans Combi pool. Yeah. And this guy comes up to me and he's like, do you speak English? And I was like, yeah. Because <laughs> you rip hard enough that maybe I just thought maybe you didn't speak English. So he was like, he's like, oh, okay. We've been seeing you at Etnies and here and you, you rip, but we thought you were from Brazil. Hmm. So they genuinely thought like, by the Portuguese? Yeah, they were like, oh, you're Portuguese. Like, she, she doesn't speak English. She's from. She must be Brazilian because must be Brazilian. the only other um, rippers, like the upcoming crop of rippers at the time. Yeah, was this is also like, like right when Pedro and they're all this whole like era, even Leticia is like. Yeah, Leticia just started to make a name for herself. So they thought maybe you were the. Yeah, they thought I was. The unknown member of the. The, the other the, Brazilian wonder. The skate Brazilian storm. Yeah. Amazing. So I was like, no, I am not. Brazilian storm, but I'm I'm Boston Portuguese. I'm from, Don't forget it. I'm from fucking Boston. I'm from Boston. I'm fucking Portuguese. I'm doing my best. Yeah. And yeah, he was like, "Oh, cool." Um, his name is Jason. He's like, "I have a company I'm starting. It's still in my garage, but do you want a job?" I was like, "Yeah. Well, what's your company?" And he's like, "It's called Welcome Skateboards. We just make skateboards, and we're still just in the garage, but." You could come and um, work at my house. Wow. I'm just like, here's a random stranger telling me to come work in his garage. Yes, please. Yes. So, not creepy at all. Not weird at all. So I think – I actually think he took my mom and I out to dinner. And he took us to like – or this this might not have actually been in the same time frame. I don't know. Anyway, he definitely did something. We'll fact check it afterwards. <laughs> I don't This could have been a dream. I don't even know what I'm talking about. Um, no, we we ended up, I ended up kind of being like, yeah, you know, I, I do need to make a certain amount of money to like live in California. I think at the time we're like, he was like, how much do you need to make a week? And I was like, I need to make $280 a week. And he probably went like, <clears throat> that sounds steep. <laughs> He's like, uh, that's not going to work. <laughs> Like I'm a, I'm gonna go find a, a real Brazilian. Two hundred and eighty dollars a week. He's just like, I was just like, dude, like, why? Oh, no, that, but do you, do you can when you I have no idea why that I number. Have no clue why that was the number. But I was like, I think I was just trying to Did like it feel bold at the time. Yes, I felt like I was I need just to- holding him at ransom. That's what it felt like. Two eighty. Yeah, and he was like, okay. <laughs> It's like, cool, okay. So then I started working at his house. And we worked there, and then we moved into our first warehouse that winter. So this is, like, going into 2013. And then at the time, I was writing for Hoopla, which was Carabeth Burnside and Mimi's company. And Jason was like, so, you know, you can't, like, work here and, can't, like, can't ride double, for double another company. And I was like, oh, but this is really hard. And he's like, well, I obviously want you to ride for us. I'm not just like being a jerk. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, it was a twofer. Yeah. So I took Mimi to dinner and I was like with my mom. 
Joan was always around. I was like, yes, I want to thank you for everything. And you're amazing, blah, blah. But I think I'm going to, I'm going to do this thing. And she totally got it, obviously. And then this is around the time I think Jason took us out to dinner. Right. It's like, yeah, you're going to, this is what we want to do. And we want you to, because he was like from the get go, he was like, you can be a professional skateboarder, but you can do it in the way that it's always been done. It doesn't have to be this like supplemental, like girl contest skater. You know, it, it didn't have to be outside of the real skate world. It needed to be. He's like, you need to do like what Alyssa did. Alyssa Steamer. Yeah. And like what Marissa Del Santo did and what Vanessa did and Amy. And he just, he was so adamant about my potential. And it was literally one of the first times in my life that someone saw what I saw, but could articulate it and also like, like give me any help. Like it was like actually support me. Because my parents and, like, there's people who are there mentally and family who support you. But, like, when you have someone who can actually contribute in that sense, especially in skateboarding, like, you have a board sponsor who is, like, rad and wants the best for you. That's, like, the first stepping stone of, of success. Right. So. And, it, and when someone holds up an actual mirror to you. Oh, and he's he's always been like so forthright. Like he'll tell he'll tell you how it is, and it, and it sucks sometimes. You, you need that. It's, but you it's, need it. You, it's one thing to have people who are always cheering for you. Mm-hmm. It's an entirely different thing to have those people in your life, and they they're 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 like um, they're I mean, like golden coins. Like they're, they're yeah. because there's not a lot of people who have the ability well, I, to hold the, the mirror up to you at the right angle yeah. to be like, hey. Oh, totally. Do you see this? Because I see it. Yeah. And he was literally like one of the first people to do that and and not, um, yeah, not make it like I had to jump through hoops or like he didn't make it like I had to, um, what's the word? Like he wasn't like you're going to have to like do all this shit people want you to do or he was like you can do it your way. You could do you, and for context, yeah. you know, f- especially for 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 women in skateboarding, in order to make it so that you could remotely almost make a living outside of a handful of 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 women at the time, you had to do a bunch of stuff that was super cheesy and show up and wear things that you, you normally to, wouldn't like, sexually sell yourself. Like mm. there was this super sexualization of of it for a minute that that was scary and really not fun i like that i knew that wasn't the route i wanted to take did you ever feel did anyone did you ever feel like pushed in that direction um like nothing specific i just felt like i did a really good job of staying away from things that like made me feel like that um, but I, I worked, I worked for another like three and a half years at welcome before I even got an ad. Like he, he, he didn't make it easy. He made right. it, he made it hard, but in the best, in the best sense. What were you doing? I did, I started off doing like just order, receive, receiving, receiving and shipping orders. So I learned QuickBooks and learned how to, um, invoice and kind of almost like bookkeep 
but just keeping track and, and shipping stuff. And then I ended up doing international. I think when we were on our fourth warehouse space, I went through the house, then four different warehouses with a, with Welcome. So it would have been 2016 when I left to skate full time. I was doing international logistics, which was cool because I got to like – I got to interact with all the shops. I got to interact with all the distributions. And I also think that – I think that when you come – I'm going to make a massive judgment right now. I think that when you come from – when you do something like skateboarding or art or you work in an industry that is all about this like creative process, you forget how much work is actually in – it actually takes to sustain an industry. And you forget that this isn't just like uh, I get free shit, I get paid to play all day situation. And I think that when you go from be, even being maybe a child prodigy, prodigy or never having an actual job, it's a real disservice because you don't get to c- connect the lines in what you're doing with, you know, what you're earning or what – like it's, it was very important for me to know my place and to also understand how the industry worked. And I learned so much. I didn't know anything about video parts. I didn't know anything about – shoe deals. I didn't know anything about flow to am to pro sponsorship. Um, and or what it took to or what make it took. A and exactly. Oh, totally. And how distribution works and, and how many boards are sold and how much needs to be sold for you to be a self-sustaining brand. And, um, yeah, everything from like, I did some graphic work, but very little, I didn't really get into like Photoshop or anything, but, but I learned, a lot of valuable stuff that a lot of people wouldn't even learn in college, you know? Mm. It's like you have to being at the ground roots of a brand that's growing rapidly and seeing the success happen, but seeing how much work went into that. I mean, Jason didn't take a dime from the company for like five years or something. Like he had to just continue to put the money back into welcome in order to grow it to a point where it was a sustainable brand that, he could pay his riders and pay his employees and make it what, like what it is. And people don't get that. Like I trip seeing people like kind of start brands all willy nilly. Like, like it's just going to come. Just going to whip this thing up and everyone's going to come and run to it. And you're like, who's going to ship your stuff? Who's going to like make sure you're always having your inventory set up. Who's going to, you know, do your social media and your emails. And I just think it, it gave me such a great insight to what goes on. And, and then at this time I started getting flow sponsorship deals and stuff. And I started to realize like, Oh, this is, I'm just part of a moving puzzle, you know, and this is how it needs to work. So you started getting free product from other companies. Yeah. Um, I started getting stuff. And, um, also at the time I was dating Daniel Vargas and we had been, we were Jason's like two first employees and he was doing like really well and he started getting like more accolades and it was cool to like see um, of like a, someone that close like getting it and seeing him navigate it and um, seeing other riders like when Ryan Lay went pro. That was like the first pro party I'd ever been to and just like getting like the, the true essence of it because I'd literally only ever experienced it from my computer 3,000 miles away like watching YouTube. Right. So it, I just think it really helped, helped me develop my sense of 
how do I accomplish the things I want to accomplish? And realistically, what do I need to do in order to like make it happen? There's something about being a, a professional skateboarder, you know, to actually like stand out. You, I, th- I believe you, you either can be like the best skateboarder on earth or you have to be kind of the barest, wholest version of yourself that mm-hmm. people can feel um, a sense of like, oh, I, I, I see myself in that person. And those are the only two ways. Yeah. And getting to know you through your video parts, or I think the first time I really got to know, came aware of you was um, when you won a VPS. Oh, yeah. In 2017? Yeah, 17. Uh, the band's pull series. Shanghai. Shanghai. And it was like, who's this? And she looks like she's having the immense amount of fun. And 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 it was like there was this it was like this real breath of fresh air, like yes, it's a competition, but you weren't competing, competing. Yeah. That that was that was a weird one because I had never really been able to put it together for contests. Ever. I was like the girl trying the same trick all practice. Or like I would have a run and just like totally just bail out and do something totally different. Um, my strategy, my strategy was very poor. And I think a lot of that just had to do with how I skate. Like I preferred going and trying a trick for five hours and to have that reward of landing it versus doing what for me feels like not my best skating only to like get a score on the board or whatever. I'm not, I'm not a smart strategic competitor. Uh, so yeah, that was cool. Cause I, I did feel like I was obviously competing with everybody, but I, I did feel like it was much more of like a personal co- competition. Like, Oh, I actually put it together. And since then, I mean, I've won nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And good night. Yeah. But I love that. Like, it obviously was a shot heard around the world. It got you a lot of attention. And then you were like, what made you be like, that was cool. Not going to tempt that twice. This is, this is where I want to go with my skateboarding. I just felt, I mean, it was obviously, it was definitely frustrating. I felt like things were moving in a direction with the Olympics. And I felt like the way that things were being judged and whatever was like super whack. And I also was like starting to travel with Adidas and I totally needed to immerse myself in that. And that's where I felt like I could be challenged. Not like, like I'm not saying that competitions aren't challenging for me. They are wildly challenging for me. And I just had to kind of accept that that's not how my brain works and that I wasn't willing to alter my skating or myself to continue doing it. And I just felt like when I stepped away from contest, I, I genuinely felt like my ability went through my personal roof. Like I felt like I was skating so much better. Um, yeah. I just – I think it goes back to even like being a kid and playing soccer. It was just like I didn't like that box and I don't like – competition like I'm naturally 
competitive maybe with myself, but I I could be totally wrong, but I don't vibe off competition. The stress it gives me, I feel like I already have enough anxiety in my life and it wasn't healthy to keep like trying to make that work. Like stop trying to make fetch happen. It's not mm. going to happen. <laughs> That's like how I felt. Mm. And skateboarding is already so innately it's it's it's, it's a, already hard. It's hard, and it is a it is a competition with yourself each time you go out and do it. But you do it the the manner in which you go out and, and express it, um, going out on the road, um, interacting with fans, and doing road tours, and 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 um, making video parts, etc. Um, what you do and the and the content that you create, uh, social media wise, I don't. I'm sure it wasn't your intention at the time, but I feel like you have become very much an inspiration and an iconic human being um, for in in how to how to live and be your whole self unedited mm-hmm. um, for for people beyond skateboarding. Like you're you have a, a deep fan pool of people who respect you and, and and marvel at you that will never ride a skateboard. Yeah. No, I think, I mean, I think it's, I think I can, I've definitely been able to reach more people with, with skating and the way I skate. I, I also just think that we already do a really good job, which is terrible of making people feel like in certain areas, they have to do things in such a certain way. And I think skateboarding is, has always come from the opposite of that, which is being kind of an outcast and being a punk and being playful and funny and um, just just having this totally different energy that maybe can't be placed in other places. And I I just do think that it's really important that there was more of girls getting attention outside of like the contest scene and having it be just more of like how the guys are like there's just there's only there's not that many guys that do skateboard contests like if we're looking at all the professional skateboarders in the world not that many of them are contest skaters but I felt like if you looked at all the girls in the world they all were having to do contests and part of that was because it was the only way we could make money yeah, <laughs> big so much money. That's the Goes only back way. to the bag we discussed I'm just, earlier. I'm here for the bag. I've yeah. secured the bag, yeah. and yeah, I just think it was an opportunity. And then I was like, the Olympic stuff, and I was just like, nope. Hmm. What do you think that eight year old girl or five year old girl that got that skateboard would say to the young woman who now has? His- a signature shoe on Adidas and is <laughs> is essentially an icon, you know, someone who not just her female peers, but the best, the best dudes that have lived doing this thing. Many of them call you their favorite skateboarder. You know, I love in your comments, you know, on 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 IG, you'll see all these 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 young men skateboarders who are like Nora is my favorite skateboarder. 
mm-hmm. not my favorite girl skateboarder. Yeah. Um, I think it's it's incredible what you've been able to do. But what what do you what would that young girl, that five year old, think about where you've gotten to today? She would probably just be like, "Can I come skate with you?" <laughs> so that's sick. Yeah. That's like the best. She would still want to hang out with you. I hope so. Yeah, I think she'd be so into it. She'd be like, oh, somebody who, yeah, I think, I think it would have lit, lit, lit it up for her because I just had a cartoon character named Reggie and she has like now tons of dozens and dozens of people that look like her and have stories like her and just are out there, you know, having basically the job is to have the most fun as possible and to be the best version of yourself, like as a skater on and off the board as possible. Mm. So she, I think would be really stoked. Yeah. You're definitely first place um, in the, the, the fun Olympics <laughs> when it comes to this thing. But I also imagine that, it can't be the the easiest. Like one of the things that I notice about you in, in the short time that I've gotten to know you is that you have this big beaming energy mm-hmm. um, with people. And then it seems like at a certain point, there's a part of you that goes, all right, we need to bring this. <laughs> we need to bring this in. Self-preservation. Self-preservation. Um, and, and sort of, turn somewhat in mind inward. I wonder what that that balance is like because there's probably a lot of expectation that people are always going to get. Like, I don't – yeah. I've been talking about this with my friend Chelsea who's here right now. We – that's my biggest um, – that's my biggest like threshold or like almost like a boundary that I'm trying to figure out with within myself, like finding a balance just in terms of – like you run yourself ragged when you're so enthusiastic and embrace the world in a certain way. Um, so yeah, I, I'm still figuring it out how to like, uh, prior, I think it's just like prioritizing yourself is definitely a, this is a new thing. (laughs) I didn't know what this was a couple months ago. So yeah, prioritizing yourself is a, has been a swift swift kick in the ass, but uh, definitely figuring it out. And it's weird. It's weird how much time you have or how much, like, what the silence feels like or, you know, even when you realize you're spending less time in scenarios that maybe make you uncomfortable or could be deemed toxic. Like, it's definitely a... I just feel like a lot of people hit this in in their like late twenties too. When you're 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 growing up and you're need more rest than you did five years ago and whatever, and you're just like, yeah, finding the balance of whatever the fuck. I don't even know what the fuck we're talking about. I'm sorry. No, it's <laughs> it's it, you, what you're talking about is coming of age stuff that everyone goes through, mm-hmm. but not coming of age stuff that everyone goes through whilst also your job is to take a a massive part of yourself Mm -hmm. and put it forward. Yeah. 
and then now you you get to a certain point where like when you're younger and I I know this even in my career not putting it all out for everyone felt like I was cheating oh yeah at, cheating Wait, you everyone don't else share all the time yeah <laughs> and then you're sitting you to like, exploit your emotions right yeah um but the, when you get to the point where you're like oh I in order for me to continue to do this part, I have to manage how much of this I have to actually oh, it's start to so weird. It's figure so out weird. the yeah the difference between the who I am part, which is a part of this, but it's it's separate from what I do. Well, it's like dance monkey, dance monkey, right? It's like dance, like that's just come and dance, put it all out there, whatever. And then it's like, okay, you've been dancing for like five hours. You're you're great. You're You've done it. Like you're, you're I don't good. Keep dancing. Don't keep dancing. Mm. But we want to still see the energy within you, but we don't want it in our face the way we need half of it. You know? Um, yeah, I think it's. I think it's funny. I think it's always been an issue with social media because so much of skateboarding didn't grow up with it. Like so many of our idols and people who are still like thriving professionals don't have it or didn't grow up with it. But then. It has changed everything, especially on the the female front. I think it gave so many people voices. And yeah, it's hard. It's like there are times I'm like, I should be sharing this or something. And it's like, should I? Or it's good to put the phone down for four hours. Or it's just such an interesting – it's just – it's weird that what we do is so focused on getting it into – the eyes of others or the hands or the hearts of others. And yeah, it's like kind of weirdly exploitative, but that's also kind of the art of it. Yeah. It's like, you're selling, like we're selling a feeling. Yeah. Feeling Hi, this r- is Hallmark cards and I'm Nora to sell, here to sell I'm, you a feeling. I'm Nora feeling merchant. Do you like falling into concrete at high speeds repetitively? In the hot sun for hours and hours in a sewage ditch. Please come. <laughs> Hallmark cards. That's the part that, that that the people don't see. Well, come on and line up. Let's go. I'll show you what it's like. Mm. I don't know. I love that like Thrasher does the rough cuts and like the My War. I'm like, this is my favorite. Because you it's just like see the manner in which you just see the manic, insane, O C D driven totally like what's the word when you like want to hurt yourself masochism masochistic side of skating yeah that like every skater can relate to that i it's the one thing about skateboarding that is always just i i, I talk about it all the time like y- you have to be someone who's in love with you have to be in love with with the idea of falling and and bailing you have to, and like, slamming be so obsessed with it and like be driven I always have friends. I've always had people who are like, how do I get good at this? Or how do I, I want to be able to do this on a skateboard. And I'm like, well, you need to be able to fall 97 times before you land at once. And they're like, but no, I want to just I'm like, okay. But like, if you want to do that, like you can go skate and enjoy yourself. Like skating is genuinely for everybody. And it's so awesome and enjoyable. But when it comes to like, getting a clip in the streets or doing a massive air on a ramp. Like this isn't, this is, there's no, 
There's no shortcut. You're getting punched in the face. You're getting punched in the face. Yeah. It's like, oh, what are you going to do today? I think I'm going to get punched in the face like 10 times. And then um, I'm going to dodge the punch and it's going to look really cool. And that's the thing that people are going like, to clap for. Yeah. Because I've had, I've had people talk to me about it and like, not like friends or people, but I've had like random people who clearly don't understand what I do kind of approach me and they're like, so you just like hang out all day and <laughs> you like spit your coffee out. You just roll around on that thing. Yeah, you just like hang out all day with your friends. And, Wear like, cool clothes. Like, smoke weed and like get free stuff and like just hang out. I'm like, yep, that's it. That's all I do. That's That's why my hands look like I was in a fight with a bear last night. Like, it's just fine. Actually, that's from my cat. That's infected. Yeah, we're going to have to get that looked at. That's got a little circle around it after this is done. I have a cut from my cat scratch fever. Yeah, how many of these slams have you taken where it's just like, oh, this is about to go bad? And what the do I bodied have? ones? The bodied ones, you get bodied and you're like, I guess maybe I can get the arms in here just in time. I have the best story. I was skating um, some bowl. This bowl they used to have, it's like not even old, but they ripped it out at Vans in Huntington Beach. It was massive. It was like strangest. Like Lance Mountain was like, we're just going to build this bowl. It's like this crazy. Yeah. And it was big. It was probably like 12 feet. And I remember going there and just like over amping a backside air, but doing like the full like pull out to like the center. And I, the way I fell, I kind of whipped out and I literally like fell down. And I knew before I hit the concrete, I was like, I'm breaking my wrists. Like I'm got to be breaking both wrists. And I fell. And, like, I actually somehow was okay. Like, I didn't break anything, but should have. And, I, like, literally writhing on the ground because of the wind getting knocked out of me. And I kind of come to, and Christian is always just there. And he's like, how many fingers How many fingers am I holding up? And I'm like, I don't know, Christian. I can't breathe. And I'm, like, doing that, like, weird gasping. <laughs> he's like, the angels carried you down. And that was a good – that was a crazy one. But it's so crazy to take a slam – where there's so much time between you hitting the ground that you can think about how bad it's going to be. That's like the scare. It's like the Jake Brown slam. Right. Or the Danny, like those slams at the yeah, mega ramp where you're like, oh my God. You were there. I was commentating the uh, the Jake Brown slam. You were in your dreads were there. Yes, me and my oh. and my dreads. May they rest in peace. May they, are they in a box in here? No, I think there might be one or two at my mom's house. In a, I love that. In the box. I love that so much. I love that you... Lucky dreads. <laughs> I want a keychain that's like, we should make a Hume keychain that's like, we can make five and they're yeah. just your dreads just cut, like rabbit feet. Made with real Salema uh, yeah. dreadlock. That would be the sickest thing. I want my keys to have a Salema dread. <laughs> I'll get right on that for you, Nora. Thank you. I um, expect this the next time I see you. All right. We'll get on that. Thank you. Your um, your art is is pretty amazing. Awesome. Um, and remember I said before, like, you know, you watching your skateboard is like watching someone who's clearly like artistically expressing themselves. And then you learn your more about your backstory and and your your art and your 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 background with art. And you're like, oh, this makes that sense. Makes sense. Um, how do they f- inform each other? I don't know. I think I think like the whole part of it, even with skating, 
it's like I feel like I just innately want to like play forever like like I just want to be a kid forever and skateboarding kind of helps prolong that longevity of being a child I think art does the same thing I just think it's pure I think when I say being like a child I don't mean like literally being like a child but I mean the pure essence of like youth and I we like we get so polluted with thoughts and ideas and things as we Mm -hmm. get older and I think being able to express art and produce art like for me I'm trying to learn the practice of art much more than like the end thing so I feel like I've always 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 done art as like the end what's the end game for whatever I'm drawing and now I feel like it's so much more about the process and I feel like the same way even about skating because it's like oh I need to get this like four minute part done but there's something about the process like being on the trips and I think in that way they correlate so well and they also are like this just preservation of the purity of like youth Mm -hmm. which I think is so when I when I think of you describe it that way to me it's just like wonder and discovery Mm -hmm. wonder and discovery someone some I was on a a a call yesterday a, a board meeting for my foundation and and the president opened it up to all the board members tell me tell us tell tell us something about you um as a child that we wouldn't know and everyone's going around like, oh, I got to play all day or I didn't have, I didn't have bills. Yeah. And I just thought it like, came to me and I was like, yeah, my imagination. Yeah. Like being able to live in this permanence of possibility in imagination. And how easy it was to like express it. And not feel like expressing it. Anyone was going to be like, ah. Yeah, exactly. Um yeah, I feel like for me that's skateboarding is this – which is weird because we all experience like we were saying imposter syndrome or like self-consciousness or whatever. But I do feel like at the end of the day I'm doing my best skating when I don't care and when I'm like purely enjoying it or, you know. I present. think it's – Yeah, it's like being present. Yeah, which is basically being a kid. You hang out with any kid, like they're not concerned about. And then getting presents. Mm. Mm. Which, thank you for bringing me uh, a present today. You're welcome. That was very, very kind of you. I'm doing my best. Promise not to eBay it or anything like that. I don't know. Probably get a ton of money. (laughs) Probably get a ton of money for that. Nora brought me a skateboard. I brought him a skateboard deck. And I'm I'm very, very grateful. Hey. Um, Doing my best. I could do five hours of this with you and I think we should do it again um, but I'm, I'm really really grateful A to to have been able to to begin to, to over the last couple of years build this little friendship you know we have uh, our, our our corporate relationship at Hume yeah you know um, doing our best I remember when when Blair called me and said hey what do you think about Nora it didn't even get to your last name I was like yes she sucks. Do you know her? I'm like, no, no, but she's my kind of person. Um, I just love that you're you're so unabashedly unafraid to be you. I'm like, terrified. <laughs> no, no, no. I appreciate that. But I'm listen. I'm 
I'm terrified sometimes to walk out and just be my whole self, yeah. but I just you just do it. You do it because doing anything else just is what is it? To drag. Be, be yourself. Everyone else is taken. Exactly. Oscar Wilde wrote that, I think. Or as I like to say, uh, Oscar Wilde, whoever. I um, saw it on a billboard like on the way here. No one else has what you have to give. True. No one. And like, why waste your time? Like, YOLO. Yeah. So to all of y'alls out there on the on the on the ticks talks and the, the IGs that see other people doing things and like I should just be that person. Remember when we made a movie together? <laughs> when we made a yes, we made a movie together. Um, you, I, I played the shitty boss, and you were. Um, I was the shitty worker. You were the shitty worker. Beautiful thing. Yeah, you can find it. Uh, I think at humesupernatural.com. It's a short film. It's a very short film. Um, but we shot in a supermarket in Oceanside at like midnight. We fucking killed. I stole some chocolate cookies. By Did the you way, really? That night at the. That's gnarly. Yeah, I didn't steal anything. To I the to manager at Sprouts, in Oceanside, uh, when we shot the thing, I, I Fraser Farms. Uh, <laughs> that was the other time. <laughs> Fraser Farms, sorry. <laughs> the manager at Fraser Farms, I, I did, I, I stole a chocolate. I was hungry. So you want to know a funny Sprout story? Yeah. I went in there and I has at, was at the deli and I was like, oh, can I get pepperoncinis on my sandwich? And they were like, we don't have pepperoncinis. I was like, no worries, no worries. Can I get some Sprouts? And they're like, we don't have Sprouts. <laughs> I was sprouts. Like, <laughs> I was like, why am I even here? Why am I even here? I think here? you could probably sue for that. For false, uh, false uh, advertisement. I'm an American. Don't yeah. don't tell me that. Yeah, you could. You got a suit. How did, wait, how did how did Nora end up owning Sprouts? She <laughs> called them on their bullshit and won. <laughs> I just take over the Sprouts Enterprise. Where did Nora go? Got them oh. on a technicality, and that was it. Can you imagine the clause? The clauses in, yeah. in that contract. I think definitely that um, that now that's that's a movie that. You could you could write and you could call um, what was her name, the Oscar winner we were talking about earlier. Oh, Natalie. Natalie Natalie Portman. Natalie, sorry, Miss Portman. She would play that. She she Natalie Portman in the Claws. Dude, Natalie Portman in the Claws. The Claws. How a small town professional skateboarder became the the CEO of Sprouts (laughs) Empire. And then, like, it's going to be, like, it would have to be, like, some, like, I would have to lose my marbles at some point. Like, I start a cult or, like, spend all of my money on, like, pixie sticks or something. Yeah. I like it. We'll, 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 we'll get that written up and get that in production. It's beautiful. Thanks for coming by. Thank you. I really, really appreciate it. I'll come it. by anytime. Thanks for calling Davis. I bet he was stoked. Um, your brother was actually pretty stoked. I can't even imagine. I texted him. I got his phone number. And I texted him, and I was like, "Hey, it's Salama Masakela." And, and he was like, "Yeah, no problem." And I called him, and I was like, first of all, I'm a really big fan of everything that you do I, on Instagram. You know, I watch your parkour and mountain biking, and I just hope to meet you in real life one day." And he was like, "Dude, this is the craziest thing ever because I grew up watching you, and I can't believe you're saying this to me." And I'm like, "No, like I just you're you're your brother is this, you can't like." Follow yeah. your brother, not be. He's rad. He's rad. He's just great. He's he's a rad dude. He told me about how y'all kind of really didn't get along as kids, 
until um, I scratched his cornea once. You did? Yeah, <laughs> pretty bad. Um, you almost blinded your brother. Uh, that's 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 a, that's a stretch. He, I was. Is it a stretch? No, I was putting away a shoots and ladders board game, and he <laughs> had you lost. No, I just was being like the good daughter, putting mm. away my game. And he was like fidgeting and like grabbing it from me. And I just was like, no. And like shoved the board game into his eye. He had to wear an eye patch for like three weeks. So you almost blinded him. Yeah. And then he says I hit him with a shovel once. I don't remember that. And then he was difficult. I've made, I'm making up for it. <laughs> I used to really make fun of his teeth. But I just got embraces, so oh, it's a full circle affair. That's so loving. I'm really trying. I think I'm making up for like a lot of. He says that you guys are best friends now. Yeah, but he did say that the formative years were tough. He was tough. <laughs> <laughs> no, we would get along quite a bit. I would like dress him up and shit, and I would make him play school for like hours. Like he would come back from school, and then I'd be like. Sit down, it's class. And you'd be like, okay. Sadist. Yeah. You're a sadist. I'm just a big sister. Which also is a sadist. (laughs) And scene. It takes a village to bring you the What Shapes Us podcast. Our incredible graphic design team at Parsons Branding. Music by the one and only Hugh Masekela and my band Alakazam produced by yours truly Salema Mabena Masekela and directed by Ernesto Hurtado aka Machete and myself Salema Masekela the What Shapes Us podcast is a Rebel Talk Network production stick to the pace you're right in the race that's all you can give but ain't no that it takes put your money on the wall but it won't buy taste surprise to catch shine when you stop to embrace breathe don't want to watch you go under fly don't want to see you burn please they're gonna take your thunder why you want to miss your turn easy don't paint by numbers fortune only favors the bone sweat Trees of coffee and gold